stop living life in the rearview mirror. The second that you transition, everything is in front of you. Leverage yes. those experiences to make you better, but repurpose that mission statement, repurpose the vision that you have for your life and understand that what made you successful and what brought you through those five combat tours is exactly what's gonna make you successful in the civilian career if you can repurpose it. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? All right, welcome to Expertish Podcast. Today we are talking with Davin Marceau. How's it going today, Davin? I'm well, Jay. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, man. I really appreciate you uh, making the time to come on and talk to us a little bit today. And, uh, yeah. you know, Army veteran, I think I think you might be the first Army veteran we've had on here. Hey, there's a first for everything. And, and like I say, Jay, if you can't be famous, be infamous. So I, I, will, be, I will be the infamous first, first Army veteran that you have on this podcast. And I'm, I'm certainly proud to be here. And again, appreciate your flexibility the other day, accommodating my, my work travel up to Philadelphia. That's good stuff, man. Uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you being here. And, and it's great to have a first of anything, right? Absolutely. So you get, to, you get to set the bar for any army guests. Huh? You know, so. Oh, it's a low bar. The good thing is, Jay, you're going to have nowhere to go but up. So the, the, the next guest, like I say, you don't have to outrun the line. You just have to outrun the slowest person. So I am setting an incredibly low benchmark for your for your next army guest. Man, you're just saying that you're trying to be a team player. And set <laughs> there the next there we go. It's all about the team. <laughs> hey, Devin, can you tell, do you tell the listeners a little bit about like your, uh, maybe start with your military background, if that's cool. Okay. Yeah, I joined the military uh, active duty in, in uh, August of 2000. Um, I went to Fort Benning, Georgia to 11 Bravo one station unit training um, for all of my all of our non army listeners. That's uh, that's infantry boot camp, graduated infantry boot camp, went on to uh, to airborne school. And once I completed airborne school, went on to the Ranger indoctrination program. And that was in, uh, gosh, April of 2001 ish, somewhere in there, graduated that program. Um, certainly one of the more, it was at the time, Jay, the most arduous training program I'd ever been through in my life. And was right. fortunate enough to, to graduate that, got assigned to 3rd Ranger Battalion and spent um, a, a pretty long career either in the Ranger Regiment or in the Long Range Reconnaissance community. You got to go overseas, was fortunate enough to go overseas five times, did Afghanistan three times, Iraq twice. So, uh, you know, I, I got to, to thoroughly serve my country and do what it was that I signed up to do. Um, you know, lots of schooling, lots of training opportunities, lots of relationships made. Uh, it really was one of the shining moments of my life and, you know, still continue to serve uh, today. I'm actually going through a medical evaluation board for for a back injury that I sustained and a surgery that I had last summer. Um, you know, I'll continue to ride that out until I can no longer serve. And then I'll do what we do as as, as good veterans and stewards of the community and continue to serve out, outside of, of service once once that time comes. No, that's awesome. Thank you. And thank you for that service. I, I definitely appreciate what you've done. And uh, also a couple of things I appreciate from what you just said. Other than, uh, you know, like you said, the, the fully trying to fully serve. Also, the fact that you said fortunate enough to deploy five times Afghanistan and Iraq. I think that that can't be overlooked because I feel like uh, most people that truly have some kind of purpose in what they're doing and enjoy the people they're working with and enjoy that mission truly do look at that as a, a win. Like, hey, you know, I, I appreciate being able to go do that and for, feel fortunate to it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I was a I was a pre 9-11 kid. You know, I really did join for the college. Well, frankly, gee, I joined because I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do with my life. I, <laughs> I was uh, I went to college for a year before I joined the military and I got a, a 1.9 and a 0.11. 
um, second right. semester, <laughs> I got a D in downhill skiing and, and failed everything mm -hmm. else. And so at the end of that spring semester, the, uh, the college cordially invited me never to return. And, uh -huh. uh, so the options at that point were really to, to join the military or go back and work on the ranch that I'd basically grown up working on. And, and I, I chose to serve and, you know, it's, it's but a series of choices. Right. And so you go through that training and then 9 11 happens and the world as we know it is different and will remain for forever different. Right. And, you know, but you go through these training opportunities and you get assigned to the ranger regiment and we, we practice our jobs constantly 24 seven, we're sharpening our tools and, and our tools were for war. Um, right. You know, unfortunately, or unfortunately, however you choose to look at it, but but that was our our practice was training, and our game time was when was when combat started. And so, you know, there's this this odd sense of you know calmness that washes over, and you're like, okay, so this is what I was trained to do. This was what I was put on this earth to do. And when you're able to serve in a team that functions that highly and and is and is that close, like it really is a fortunate opportunity to be able to go and contribute to that level of team. And so again, it's but a series of choices and I'm I'm glad I made that choice. And every opportunity that I got to train, every opportunity I got to deploy, every opportunity that I got to work with my brothers and sisters in arms made me that much more fortunate. And it shaped me for who I am today, frankly. Right. Right. No, I think that that's pretty, pretty amazing. And I, and I can't agree more. And I have a, actually a friend of mine is here that uh, from the Navy, staying for a couple of weeks now out in San Diego with me, just uh, learned some real estate stuff and some investment stuff, just great guy. And we were talking two nights ago, just kind of catching up. And, uh, you know, you talk about some of the, like the day to day, I, I want to say struggles of your normal life here, and just the differences. And, uh, you know, you always look back, I feel like more fondly than you do on, you know, there's plenty of negative things in military, right? There's a lot of crap you put up with, but it was funny. It just seems to be universal from people that come in to do a certain thing and they get to do that and they remember those very fondly. So this is someone overlapped. We worked together, uh, man, probably only a few weeks in Iraq, but you know, he was coming in when I was going out and we were actually on an army camp. We were in uh, one of the cops in Southern, Southern Iraq and talking to him and it's like, man, that was like the best time. Cause no matter what was going on, you had a clear picture day to day, like you, Hey, you're going to go pre-flight, you know, you wait for the alert, you just get your gear together and uh, wait for the call, you know, get in the helicopter and go do whatever you're doing. And other than that, like you eat, work out, plan, but it's super simple, but it's also rewarding. And then you come back and it gets to be frustrating. You know, the, the transition coming back, sometimes you're like, Oh man, I'm in the grocery store. What kind of cereal do I want? I don't want to make that decision. So you know what I mean? And you get frustrated at the little things because everything else is so clear. Absolutely. Jay, that's such a good point. And people view combat and view deployments in war as this overly complex set of objectives and skills required to be able to do it. But in reality, the functional application of that is that you you strip away everything that doesn't align with your purpose, that doesn't align with the mission. And whether it's whether it's pre-flight, whether it's getting ready for mission, whether it's executing the mission, it's all in alignment with your purpose. And there's a beautiful level of simplicity that comes with that, right? And then we come back home and we get involved in these day-to-day -day activities in our lives that the, really the stuff that's mundane, it doesn't matter. But we right. get so we get so wrapped up in it. And so being able to recall back to when things were so difficult, yet so simple and easy to execute. And it really is that good mental reference point to take things back to where to where they really matter. Right. 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 It really is. And I, and I think that having that to call back on and tell me if you agree with this, having that to call back on, even in your civilian or business world. Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes we still get wrapped up, but it's a lot easier to cut through that crap when you have that moment of clarity, like, wait, this shit doesn't matter. Like this part doesn't let, let me focus on the part of this that actually matters. 
Yeah, you know, I say a lot at the company, at least nobody's shooting at us. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't mean that in a way to where people, it's something that people can't relate to, but it's, no. it's guys, you know, freaking relax. The shit's not mm -hmm. that serious. Like we can yeah. grow from it. We can learn from it. Like nobody's going to die here today. So right. let's, let's calm down. Let's slow it down. Let's learn from, learn from this mistake. Let's strip away the stuff that doesn't matter and just get onto the execution. Yeah. That's it. But I, th I think, I feel like that's a gift too. When you said fortunate enough for your deployments and stuff. And I feel like some of the things that we get to take from our past experience, and it doesn't have to even be military. It's whatever past experience someone has and parlay that into whatever you're doing now. And I had a similar thing when it first started in the real, like in the real estate side, um, and not on the investing part, just on the residential sales thing, one of the deal, like a big, you know, big deal that would have been like, you know, a $50,000 commission or whatever fell through because of my buyer, you know, like cold feet backed out. And some of the people in the office are like, oh my God, you must be crushed. And I honestly, I didn't, hadn't even thought about it that way until they said that. And I was like, wait, nobody died. I didn't just have to call someone's mom and say, hey, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, it's not that big a deal, you know, but I feel like we have that advantage of having some very contrasting experiences to relate it to, or to, I don't know, like maybe just prioritize. Absolutely. And, and I think, Jay, one of the more unfortunate things is that not everybody that's that we served with or that has served has the ability to basically repurpose that mindset, to repurpose it. We get so hung up, and I think it's one of the biggest shortfalls of the veteran community is we live life in the rearview mirror. You know, we, yeah. we view our X amount of years of service, our X amount of deployments, the, the, our X amount of buddies that we served with, mm -hmm. we view that as the pinnacle of our careers, the pinnacle of our life. And, right. and so all too many times, I think we see veterans that are on the, they stay on the military crest of, of their life because they're so concerned and so hung up about what they did. But yeah. there's so much beauty and growth and being able to repurpose that into take what's in the rearview mirror and what you learned during your years of service and repurpose it into something that, that's ahead of you and repurpose and let that be, you know, part of those guardrails that make your life better post-service because there's so many skills that we learn and so many intangibles that we glean that make us good at anything that we put our mind to. But all too many times we, we live life in the rearview mirror as a veteran community. And, and I think that's one of the biggest tragic elements of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a hundred percent. And, and something that I'm, I'm going to try to bring this back to like your, your story from you know what you're doing now i hear a lot of and I, probably i was one of them at some point too of like hey my, what's search and rescue guy do in civilian world like you know you get out and you go do you know co government contracting stuff or yeah. you you know do a gs job or you yeah i don't know you throw in the towel i don't know work home depot but it's really not the case because you can then decide to call on all those other experiences from leadership teamwork understanding i mean at any level of what you're doing and really build that into anything you want and take the best things of what we got to experience. Like just in your first minute of your introduction, going from, Hey, I was at basic, you know, to X, Y, Z, all the way through Ranger training and then into deployments. And like one minute, we just went through boot camp, Rangers train, you know, to, you know, deployment. And obviously it wasn't that simple. And that was a lot of step up, step up, step up training, but none of it has to do really with the business world directly or anything that you're doing now, but you've been highly successful and translating any of those experiences into a whole new career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just think that people need to focus on, you can translate that stuff. 
Absolutely. And I really view things in, in two different domains. I think there's the leadership domain and there's that subject matter expertise domain, you know, whether right. it's, it's your ability to be a good computer programmer. And I think especially, you know, guys like you and I, Jay, you know, guys that get up to the senior enlisted ranks, right? We have the ability to, to have a depth and breadth of experience and leadership opportunities that allow us to be able to take on, absorb and move past most leadership challenges that we will come across. Okay. Right. So we get out, our leadership domain is, is incredibly high. But I think what happens is, and where guys struggle is, they fail to backfill that with that subject matter expertise domain. You know, and, and it's so unfortunate because we are given so many opportunities through the GI Bill. You know, here in Texas, once you burn through your GI Bill, you get 150 additional credit hours of free education. And all too often, we lean on that leadership domain to expect it to carry us to the next level. But on paper, that doesn't articulate well. So if we, as a community, can begin to leverage our skill set to increase our subject matter expertise domain, that's where guys like you and I and so many others in our veteran community will excel because again, nothing you can throw at us from a leadership capacity that we can't handle and tackle yeah. and, and, and be able to experience it in a different way than our, than our pure civilian counterparts. But it's, it's backfilling it with that training and that opportunity to increase our subject matter expertise. And that's where the senior, the guys that, that serve for, I think, anywhere past eight years and beyond really have an opportunity because unfortunately our, you know, our single term junior enlisted brethren, they don't get that, right? They get a, they get a big shot on, on the, the leadership domain and nothing on the skill set domain. And then they jump out into the civilian world and they say, okay, world, here I am. I'm a project manager, right? I'm yeah. a managing director and of what? And they don't have the ability to articulate that or fill that in. And that's where they struggle. That's true. And you nailed too. We do have those opportunities at either level, any level two with the GI Bill. And, and, and now there's uh, some amazing other programs. You know, there's SkillBridge program. We're trying to work with that where people come get paid for the last six months to learn a new profession. And how, how awesome is that for someone who, like say, does have that leadership background, but now they can go into something and get six month tryout and education in that field. And essentially, you know, you're trying out for a job while you're getting paid full money from the Navy or Army or Marine Corps or whatever. But, but there, there, I think things have been stepped up to almost provide that bridge for veterans right now, which I think it's great. But, you know, even if it weren't there, you can do it yourself. You just have to, you know, dig in and, and go find the information and, and take a few steps. Absolutely. It was interesting that you put the Marine Corps in there because like, you know, like normally we think of them and we're like, okay, so what flavor of crayons are they going to eat today? Right. And, <laughs> and, and so any, any, any discussion of, of, of training above and beyond secondary education for them is I'm, I'm frankly, I'm a little bit surprised. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We always try to, with, you know, and for listening, you guys have probably heard before because Justin is on the back end mm -hmm. here doing tech stuff. And then uh, Steven, who is running, you know, the Knucklehead Agency on this. And we try to throw jabs at Marines anytime we can just because, you know, well, it's fun. That's and, fun. And it's an easy yeah. target. It is. And Justin's on mute right now. So he can't fight back. So <laughs> let's just keep that, going with it. That makes it even better. But no, you know, taking it back to the point is the opportunities are in abundance for, mm -hmm. for the veteran community. And, and you just kind of have to set aside those excuses. You know, me I told you I went to college. I failed out the first time. And when I went back, I actually went back and got my undergrad and started my MBA while I was on active duty and mm -hmm. just got rid of the excuses and started that networking process and started that post-secondary education process because yeah. I knew that I wasn't going to let my military career be my pinnacle. It was going to be my foundation. It was going to be my driving light and help align with my purpose. But 
I wanted more afterwards. And that, Jade, frankly, that's why I ended up leaving at 16 years of active duty was because right. the opportunities were were abundant. And I took a huge gamble stepping away, but I didn't do it blindly. I didn't do it with ignorance. I did it with networking. I did it with education and backfilled that with my with my leadership domain experience. Right. That, and if and I can I, do it, anybody can. I promise you. <laughs> if I if if a if a dumb old army ranger can do it, anybody in the world, anybody in that veteran community can do the same thing. If they choose to. If they, if choose, they choose to, to sure. Yeah, it's mindset. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh I had a similar I, I actually went to uh, college for two years before I came in and same thing. I didn't know what I want to do, I wasn't really driven with you know, I knew I wouldn't want to be behind a desk yet. And then I came in and then when it clicked of like, man, I kind of didn't fully maximize the college opportunity, but you know, we had tuition assistance. So that was another one of those things where I was like, well, we don't get paid a lot, so I'm going to get paid in education. So I would take courses until you got to one class from graduating and then you can, I would change programs. And just because if I graduated, then you don't get more money or you have to right. move to a, another degree. So I would just change. So I had like four majors and really, and it, it gave me a good broad scope of uh, an education, which I really appreciate now, but really in my simple brain, all I was doing was like, Oh, every dollar I spend on education is really increasing my paycheck. Like I'm spending those dollars that I'm getting. So that's my pay. Um, so maybe it wasn't the exact right reason to do it, but I did end up with a really cool, broad education that I appreciate just just by using it. You know, well, it's, in, it's investing in yourself, right? It, even mm -hmm. if you didn't realize it in the moment, I mean, it was it was a an investment into yourself and into not just your present state but your future state. Yeah, yeah. yeah Most things that I do that work out or um, that are that are beneficial or seem like a good thing are usually by accident. And I'll, it's okay though; I can stumble over, you know, good stuff. I'm okay with that. Yeah. What, what did Bob Ross call him? A, a beautiful accident right? yeah. when, he was, yeah. when he was painting? Yeah. Yeah. Bob Ross. That's there. That's a given. The, uh, <laughs> and well, that, that brings me back. You were talking about mindset and some of these things and, and finding your way forward. And, and one of the reasons I, I'm excited to talk about this, because I do hear these things, a lot of people like, well, oh, I don't know what I'm going to translate this into in the civilian world, or there's not these opportunities. And then when people do educate, and I'm going to take this back to one of your podcasts that I listened to. They talk about like, okay, so I start reading these books, which I'm all for it, man. Read books. When I say read book, it normally means I listen to it on Audible. And then if it really is something I like, then I'll read the book. You know, it's kind of like pre-screening on Audible, read the book. But um, everyone wants to get wants to get in business, starts reading all the entrepreneurial books, you know, all these things. And to me, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of garbage too. There's a lot of stuff that really is no substance to it, you know, and it's so i think you get where i'm trying to go to this and so uh you know listen to some of your stuff and i think we we align on some of our thought processes on some of these cliche or these one-liners of like you know of uh oh gosh what are some of them we hear all the time working work on your business not in your business uh oh yeah throw out a couple throw out a couple that uh that you think are total bullshit give me yeah, a couple more I think pretty much anything Grant Cardone says is total bullshit. You know, that, that, that 10x that 10x mindset, right? Just work 10 right. times harder and you're going to be 10 times better and 10 times more productive and, and whatever. You know, it, it's right. it's just blind, baseless. Work 10 times harder on what? Work 10 times harder how? Work 10 times harder why? And being able to to baseline productivity, it's just, it, it just, it doesn't work. So yeah, you know, work smarter, not harder. Work in your business, not on your business. Um, what anything that involves the word synergy, anything that involves the word, uh, I think culture is a, a good new buzzword today. It, yeah. It's it just it serves to lay this real broad foundation, but there's mm -hmm. no there's no depth or no substance to it. 
right? And right. and that's where I think people really get awry with books. And don't get me wrong, like I'm a reader as well. What what happens is if you don't kind of have those guiding principles and you're willing to buy into this, you know, kind of bullshit 10x mentality, then instead of your life generally going straight, you're just you're you're going over this way with, you know, whether it's whether it's Jock. And again, I love Jocko, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but you go you go hard right over into the extreme ownership mentality, and then you you read Grant Cardone's 10x. And so you're you're back over here and you find yeah. yourself just zigzagging along the path rather than plowing forward because you're you're taking everything you read as gospel instead of a, instead of that nugget of information, instead of that little tidbit and putting it and making it part of your toolkit rather than replacing your toolkit every time you happen to read a book or or hear a podcast or an audible that that really resonates with you. Yeah. No, I agree. As you were talking, one of the ones that popped in my head is every time I hear someone talking about taking business to the next level. And I'm like, do you even know what level you're at now? Like, what is your level now before you're going to, it's, there's so many baseless, just meaningless things that are said. And, and I do, I have seen very good people bounce back and forth between whatever they read at the time. Like, oh my gosh, I need to go all in on this or this. And I'm like you, I love getting that information and it's, all back there somewhere you know i may not recall it all the time but it's back there and then you can make i really break things down to common sense you can make common sense adjustments to your business life or any professional life or personal life based on little nuggets of this information that you stored away and can pull out when needed not that you go in a full different direction is that i don't know yeah. if i'm explaining that part very well that's just how i no, see it. absolutely and, and i think wisdom is the application of knowledge and experience Right. And that knowledge comes from reading. That call, that knowledge comes from you know practical experiences in the real world. But it, but again, it, it has to be backfilled by that level of experience. And I think you bring up a super interesting point that really resonates well with me when you talk about being at where is your business now? You want to grow. You want to grow your business. You want to take it to the next level, right? You want to be advanced. And I, I was actually on on the upward spiral not, not too long ago, talking to Cody about how that being advanced, all it is is the flawless execution of the basics. And right. part of understanding the basics is being able to baseline where you sit today through quantifiable metrics, through quantifiable data, through quantifiable data that you can bounce off of your strategic objectives, right? Because if you don't have those things, if you can't baseline your business, Jay, you're just walking towards the horizon. Yes. Right, you're walking towards some undesignated, unknown endpoint, and you don't know how long it's going to take to get there. You don't know when you're going to get there. You don't even know what it's going to look like when you get there. Where yeah. if you have the ability to baseline, right, you have the ability to understand where you're where you sit today. You can take five steps and turn around and say, you know what, Jay, I took five steps. I don't know yeah. anything else, but I know that I took five steps. And how did I feel in those five steps? What happened in those five steps? There's data and there's knowledge and wisdom within measuring from that start point to where you are now and then right. again as you the more you get into that journey and the more you turn around and analyze from the start point instead of the end point the mm -hmm. smarter you get and then when and then that's how you take your business to the next level is by a right. thorough understanding of how it runs and why it runs no i agree and and i think that can be applied not to just business um we talk about this uh, because obviously with me like, on this, we talk a lot, the real estate investing. And then mm -hmm. and then the other thing is like veteran, like stability and, and moving into the civilian world, just trying to provide, uh, you know, just uh, other people's experience in that. But on the investing side, a lot of people read the investing books too. And again, me, me included, I like to have all kinds of uh, random knowledge and, and ideas. And they see like this uh abc like this is the way this person does things it's it's a uh, turnkey this or this person does this 
and they want to start in the middle. Like, oh, this is how you scale up this business. That's the other one, scaling, right? That's the other term that's yeah, like digs into me sometimes. But it's like starting in the middle because this person writing a book, which obviously so and good on them for doing and have no, you know, no malice towards like, hey, go monetize what you've learned, what experience you have. Absolutely. But when people try to start in the middle, they don't have that base. There Again, you don't know where you started. Uh, and kind of that's something that's become a bigger uh, realization of mine. Um, as things progress too, because sometimes I think all of us get a little caught up in, we start in a direction and sometimes we don't stop to look around to make sure we're still going in the right direction. You know, it's like swimming face down in the ocean and mm -hmm. you look up and like, shit, the buoy's over there, you know? So actually we're uh, a friend of mine that's been on the podcast before. He's uh, is an investor and, and kind of does a lot of finance, financial education. And he's going to come out in a couple of weeks. We're going to do a little course for not investing and take you from like you know five to ten on the scale but like hey let's start at zero and just help people see where they are now financially not even anything about going forward where do you get from you know zero to one or two so you have that base and you know where you stand so you can choose where to go you know and whatever you're trying to do and 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 just talking to him about that made me i guess think more about a lot of things in my life where i don't always take that base score often enough to go, where exactly am I now? Am I still going in a direction I want to, or is the direction I'm headed still the direction I want to go now? Absolutely. Does that kind of make sense? You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I, it's, it's turning what kinetic energy into inertia. And and there's a mm -hmm. super interesting point that you talk about with taking people from zero to, to five. Yeah. And the, the fear involved in not only Jade, the, the first step, but the self-awareness about where you sit, right? I think so many people are terrified to sit down to talk about investment because they have to admit that they're in $50,000 of credit card debt. They have to admit right. that, that, that their actual factual true state, and they would rather bury their heads in the sand and not take that first step because they have to come to that moment of realization prior to doing so. Um, and and yeah. that's, I mean, that's not just in investment. That's not just in business. That's in life, right? That's in, that's in growing relationships. That's in, you know, how do I get better if I don't have the ability to assess where I sit personally, where I sit emotionally in order to make my marriage better or my relationship better, right? I mean, there's there's so much there. Yeah, 100%. And I, I don't know, I just feel like it gets to be, oh, I don't know, a little scared. Because I think people should know, though, that you can get out of that or you can't take that step because I think we've all been there, even whether it's like the debt, the whatever. And, uh, you know, probably not too long ago, as investment things are going well and you're focused on, cool, we're getting that investments going, you know, on my side, I had to go, wait, but how am I handling just my normal personal finance? I had to go back and take a step and go, well, I haven't even looked at this because as long as there's good money coming in, I'm not looking at what's going out in stupid ways, you know, and then you kind of take a you categorize some of that and you go, how dumb am I, you know, like, hey, cool, if, for every good step forward, I'm doing here, I'm taking the exact same step backwards by not paying attention to another side of your life. So and again, you know, everyone should realize that, dude, it happens, it happens, <laughs> take right. that stop, reassess and fix it. And you start, you know, talking about scaling a business, right? What you just talked about on the personal finances. I mean, how many companies do that when they're trying to scale? They're yeah. so focused on top line. They're so focused on revenue generation that they're, they're paying no attention to margin. They're paying no attention to overhead. And as, as they're, they're growing their company, they're actually shrinking the bottom line because right. they're focused on the shiny object that is revenue. And instead right. of the stuff that's really going to make you money, which is paying attention to accounts payable which is paying attention to redundant um, you know, technology mediums that you have, which is paying attention to employee productivity and functional alignment of, of your departments. Um, 
you know, so it, it, you certainly have to have that solid understanding of it holistically and fundamentally and comprehensively, or else you're just driving top line while we'll shrink in your life. Yes. Yeah. And I've seen that a lot too. And that again, back to some of those buzzwords or buzz terms of like, hey, I built this, you know, six figure business, a seven figure business, and they're just numbers. It doesn't mean shit. Right. Like, you know, your business, if, if a million dollars ran through your, because people can say whatever, you know, a million dollars ran through your business, but you only put 50,000 in the pocket after expense and waste, then that's a nothing business, you know, but um, mm -hmm. I've seen that a lot too. And I think sometimes people hear that or they see that. And if they're not in that world, they see that as like this, oh gosh, how come I'm nowhere near that and get discouraged? And that's just ridiculous because most of it's garbage. Yeah, it's super good point, Jay. And and I before I went over to Access and took over as the COO, I, I existed in the basically the home services consulting world, where we would take companies, we would help them be able to grow um, through eh, not quite a turnkey business model, but but definitely that that kind of group group business model. And you know what we would see is they would come in into the program and they're like, you know, hey, and they'd be kind of full of bravado. I'm a two million dollar HVAC company. Great, that's awesome. Congratulations, two million bucks. Right. How much how much money did you take home last year? How much money? How much money did you put in your pocket? But but also not just that. How's life at home? How's right. your relationship with your wife? How's your relationship with your kids? Because you've been out there killing yourself, taking yourself to bloody knuckles to drive two million dollars in revenue. You don't know your wife. You don't know your kids. You haven't been to a basketball game or a, or a, or a dance recital in two years, and all you have to show for it is two million dollars in top line, a busted ass family dynamic, and twenty five thousand dollars in your bank account, right? Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good point too, you know? And I think that's something that uh, a lot of times veterans are very aware of because family life uh, oftentimes does suffer when you're, you know, deployed all the time and things like that. So I think that's something that people either continue that path afterwards or they're very aware after the military to make sure they kind of make up that ground. Yeah, and, uh, it, it, the military almost pr programs us to feel bad about a family life and almost program us to feel bad again anything that's that's a cost center to the team anything that we do that's mm -hmm. taking away from the team it, it, even through va disability right we feel bad about doing it because our lives existed around giving back to the team yes and and so you're 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 absolutely right as when we make that transition i think really guys go one of two ways jay i think they either understand that how much being gone and how much that absence hurts their family dynamic or they double down on it, or those those traits carry over into the civilian world and they step out into job A and they work a hundred hours a week because all they've ever known is working harder, working harder, working harder. And right. they never they never applied any level of balance to their life. Mm -hmm. And they wonder why six months after exiting service, they're taking home less money than they did in the military. Because yeah. while their salary may be higher, now they're paying for insurance. You know, mm -hmm. now there's less money coming in, so it strains the relationship even more. And what was provided in that stability dynamic that the military gave us is now gone. Right. So how many relationships do we see deteriorate and crumble the first six months after people exit service? I mean, I don't know the number on it, but I yeah. think just, just anecdotally, it's phenomenally high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we've seen it in our personal experience, which I have as well, and you see it amongst your friends and stuff, you know, that's a high one. If, if you're just personal contacts, you see quite a few, it's gotta be, uh, you know, I, I, I lived that Jay, you know, like I, I was in and, and, uh, you know, I, I took a break in service at first and went back to college and I was out for like a year before I ended up going back in. And, uh, you know, I was married at the time and I was either getting ready to leave, I was gone, or I was getting ready to come home, or I was home, and then back in the cycle of getting ready to leave again. So right. there was always that level of, of young, dumb love and excitement that comes along with it. Yeah. 
and then left the military. And I mean, dude, I, we were three months into post service and we look at each other and I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> She's like, I kind of, I kind of hate you too, you know? And so, you know, that stability and that excitement that was there is gone. Oh. And all you have is objective reality. And oftentimes that's pretty ugly. That's true. That's true. I guess that kind of like draws back to even uh, during all the chaotic times and all the you know deployments go, come and go, not taking that stock stopping and seeing where you are, right? Like, I mean, I know I did the same thing. You don't stop to see where you are at home. You may even, you know, stop to see where you are on deployment cycle or be trained for your deployment, but not going, wait, but how is this home life? Kind of like we're talking business versus personal finances, right? You know, and sure. you, have to, you have to take stock of both. Well, and, and I think for, you know, the non-military listeners to this podcast, you can apply the pandemic to that as well. In yes. fact, when people were working at home and, and the stuff that really served to distract us from our true feelings and our true emotions and that true audit of where we stand in life and in our relationship, that mm -hmm. stuff got stripped away. And look at the divorce rates, look at the spousal abuse mm -hmm. rates, look at the child abuse rates. It skyrocketed because we were forced to be at home and deal with the things that we spend so much time running from. Right. And, right. And, and filling our, our lives with noise and useless bullshit, that was stripped away. And then we were just left with objective reality. And it, for all too many people, myself included, it was ugly. It was yeah. ugly. Yeah. No, I get it. What do you think? Now, this, this makes me think of something else that I, I recognize or I, I seem to recognize during, during pandemic, especially through California, you know, is like super locked down for super lockdown, Come yeah. go, come go. I don't know what's going on. I don't even pay attention anymore because you can't tell. It changes day to day. But like in the military, one of the things that I think uh, probably someone who hasn't experienced it doesn't realize it is in a sense, young people are incentivized to get married for money. In a, you know what I mean? Not like it's not the intention, but because it's not that you get more money for being, I mean, you do for your housing allowance for being married or having a dependent. But to me, I was like, no, that's the accounting where they get, they have a reason to take money away from what you would normally have. That's kind of how I look at it. But young people were like, oh, well, you know, I've been with my girlfriend for eight years, but she can't afford to live in California, for instance, out here is more expensive unless we just go ahead and get, get married so she can do this. Well, worst reason ever, right? So I, I the pandemic might, you know, which again, obviously that's going to snowball into a whole lot of other problems. So during the pandemic, like you said, I've seen a lot of relationships crumble after having to like really look at each other and, and mm -hmm. kind of see like where they are. But I've also seen almost an equal amount of people that all of a sudden engagements were boom, 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 engage, engage, mm -hmm. engage. And I, you know, again, not everyone, and I don't know everyone's situation, but I'd have to believe that that situation partly comes from like, oh, now people are lonely. People are stuck at home. This is their person they have in it. And that sense of security and safety happens. So I'm, I would put money that we're going to have another rash of divorces or something like that coming from people who get together now, because it's the same thing. There's this, uh, you know, it, it, it's an accelerator, right? Like it accelerates emotion you know when you go to certain military schools right they do things that accelerate it so you can get the pain of you know six months in two weeks right um i feel like it's kind of the same thing and you're accelerating that marriage and it's like oh that's it great you know i have some security and then you're yeah. gonna go back to normal yeah it's like well we're having marital problems so you know what we should do let's have a baby yeah. That's going to fix everything, right? Let's have a baby. Like our, our, our relationship kind of sucks and it's crumbling, but you know what? Let's throw a pandemic at it. Yeah. And, and because we have that, that pandemic, well, now we're emotional. Now we should get married because you know, like you could die from COVID and I want to make sure that you have health and life insurance. And so you end up in this, you know, kind of faux relationship that really has no strong basis. And I, right. I think that's where you're coming from now. 
I will say that there's an, an, an interesting element of it. And this is kind of something that I really learned is that on the inverse of that, Jay, is there were people that really kind of stripped away the stuff that didn't matter and really began to truly invest back into their relationships altruistically. And I think we're going to see the the marriages that made it through that were the ones that were able to, the friend dynamic is gone, right? We're no longer surrounded by a dozen people that, that help us drown out the noise of our, of our unhappiness. Now we mm-hmm. have each other. Now we're focusing on each other. Now we're focusing on our family dynamic and doing, you know, Wednesday night movie nights and things like that, that make that family dynamic stronger and make that fabric, um, you know, make that tensile strength longer. Right. That's the other side of it. Right. Yeah. And that was a big takeaway for me is, is reinvest. I, I really learned my, my, my current state is how unhappy I was. But moving forward, I learned how to invest in the things that really freaking matter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a, you know, for, for the listeners, I was a, a um, product of, of a COVID divorce. You know, I, I got divorced and my, my divorce was final about three, about two months ago. And of course it was, it was shaky moving into it. And right. thankfully we didn't double down on it, but it just gave us an objective reality about where we sat in life. Right. And, you know, life's all about opportunity costs. Right. And so we right. just, we had that discussion. We're like, look, we're, we're better off apart. Yeah. And as a result of that, I was able to learn a whole bunch about myself as a, as a partner. I was able to learn a whole bunch about myself as a dad and begin to pour back into the things and the people that really truly matter in my life and get rid of the rest of the bullshit. Right. That's and, and I, I struggle still, right? Like it's yeah. like old habits are hard to, to get rid of. You know, it, it, nobody rises to the occasion. We default back to our lowest level of preparation. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it's, it's ever a struggle, but we just have to keep learning, keep growing, keep striving, man, and get better every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I can say I've seen that for a few, a few friends as well who had, because, you know, even in, uh, you know, talk about military friends, even at home, there's long hours and you're expected to do certain things and it's just kind of becomes that norm. And a lot of that, if it's like not active training or something like that, a lot of people here were working at home for military as well, you know, uh, doing the, the office administrative type stuff from home. And I, I know of a few friends who really got a even deeper, I mean, they already appreciate, but a deeper appreciation what to what their spouse does on a day-to-day basis, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. a real one, not one where you take your post-deployment leave and you're, you're hanging out and it's like, oh, cool. It's new to see the kids again and stuff like that. But the one of like day to day, the in and out of the stuff and really uh, some people, I, I think it did actually strengthen, you know, mm-hmm. great by just that appreciation for what the other person does. So yeah, yeah. yeah you, you see again that objective reality into life mm-hmm. and, and begin to hopefully appreciate people for what it is that they do not on a friday night date night when they're all done up and they're all dressed up and and the things associated with that but what happens on a tuesday morning it's at 7 a.m when it's time to wake up the kids and get them ready for school and you're actively involved in that process you know mm-hmm. hopefully you glean some deeper level of appreciation for what it is that your significant other brings to the relationship right yeah yeah can can you give us like you know we've talked about a kind of a broad range of some of these things can you maybe uh give us a couple points of what you think are the are the um most important things that you've utilized to to make that successful transition first on the business side into the things you want to do you know because because that's a growth process too right not everyone comes out and lands where they're going to end up they you know there's a there's a growth to that as well yeah you know i I think the first step of it is just that self-understanding and self-awareness of really where you sit and objectively view the skill set that you bring to the marketplace right and let's say ne- let's say marketplace nebulous let's not even pick a domain that we're going to dive into right. but by doing that audit i think you really will not only understand what you bring to the marketplace but also where your deficiencies lie within that marketplace as well right 
And then from then it's a combination of education and networking. And if you are a senior service member that's getting ready to retire in the next 12 months and you're just now starting, brother, sister, you are too damn late. You are behind the curve. It's, It's a 36 month, I believe at a minimum, to be able to start that education and networking process to build up a group of people that are around you where you invest into them altruistically Right. And not as a means to an end. And so when opportunities arise, they turn to be like, hey, you know what? I've, I've got a VP of operations position open. I know Davin's transitioning from the military. Let me sit down and have a conversation with him. Right. And that's exactly what happened with me, Jay. And my biggest area of networking was honestly the CrossFit community. Yeah. It was the CrossFit gym where I was. And, and I just I just got to know people and I mm-hmm. just treated them well. And I built those relationships just based on the desire to know people and build relationships as opposed to, man, I think I can leverage this guy to get an opportunity when I leave the service, right? So do it right, do it with altruism, network and build that education about 36 months before you leave. And then the other side of things, I think really one of the biggest bullet points, Jay, is you have to realize that nobody owes a shit. (laughs) So true. And we get hung up in this, thank me for my service culture where Mm I, I served for, for 12 years. I deserve to be a manager. I deserve yeah. to be an executive because I served 12 years as an army ranger. Right. Well, why, why? Like, like mm-hmm. how does that translate into anything other than people, half of them think that you're a badass, and half of them think that you're a walking case of PTSD, right? <laughs> sure, so yeah. you, re- you really have to, to set aside the fact that this thank me for my service culture is, is actually, I think, damaging the veteran community. Mm-hmm and understand that nobody owes you anything. You're given a set of opportunities. You're given a set of abilities to glean a skill set. Take advantage of that and understand that nobody nobody deserves to open the door for me to an opportunity simply because I served in the military for, for the better part of 20 years, right? Yeah. That level of self-realization opens you up to the reality when you step out. Right. So you do that audit, you network, you educate, and you just level set with yourself that nobody owes you anything. And then what you do, Jay, is you stop living life in the rearview mirror. The second that you transition, everything is in front of you. Leverage yes. those experiences to make you better, but repurpose your mission, repurpose that mission statement, repurpose the vision that you have for your life and understand that what made you successful um, mm-hmm. and what brought you through those five combat tours is exactly what's going to make you successful in the civilian career if you can repurpose it, if you can learn to speak a different language, if you can learn a little bit different communication set, right? Yeah. It's all the same thing. And that's the beautiful thing that I've realized is stepping from, you know, being the, the infantry branch chief at a schoolhouse on Fort Hood, Texas, into a vice president of operations job, 95% of it was the exact same stuff. Right. It was leadership. It was change management. It was communication. Right. It was execution. You know, the only thing that was different was the was that skill set domain. And I bridged that gap through getting my MBA. I bridged that gap through through my undergrad. And so when I stepped out, I knew how to be successful. And then I think the last step is is constantly seek feedback. Yeah. Constantly seek those ways and those people that you can turn to and lean on and ask them and how to get better at your job. Ask them how to get better at your life. And don't ever think that you have it figured out. Make it a constant relentless learning endeavor. Right. No, I, I, I love that too. And I still reach out to 
my friends in the military, they're still there. Like if they finish a commanding officer tour, or they finish a senior enlisted tour of something or a deployment. And when we catch up afterwards, I just like, I feel like that's an education. They're giving me a lot of value since I'm not in those roles anymore to say, hey, what did you learn, positive and negative? What do you wish you'd done different in your role as commanding officer for the last year and a half? And man, that's a gift in itself, right? It's a great point. And, and, and I don't know about you. And I went through this, this exercise after serving so long, when I left the military, I felt like I almost pushed it away. Right. Mm-hmm. Because yes. you see the, the guys that are in for two years or in for four years. And like, they're the ones that I see that, that have the license plates that have the stickers that have mm-hmm. like, you know, basically their 201 file, their DD 214 on their truck. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I knew that I didn't want to be that. So I almost, I, I not almost, I did push the veteran community away. And almost, if I'm being honest with you, felt a level of disdain that I couldn't even, I couldn't even really truly substantiate why other than the frustration that I saw with them wanting this, thank me for my service and wanting them to cling onto these things. Mm -hmm. And, and because of that, I would say in the first probably 18 months to two years of my transition from the military, I ended up looking back and seeing that I had a void and that I was, I was leaning on all these people in, in the professional world and I was learning a whole lot, but I was losing a bit of who I was. I was learning a bit of, of what got me to that level. And so, you know, fortunate enough, I've been able to reach back out and, and start building or rebuilding those relationships in the veteran community. And just like right. we always do, we, we as, as, as brothers and sisters in arms, we give each other grace and we, we open up with, with open arms. Hey, welcome back, stupid. What took yeah. you so long to come back, right? So, so for me, there was, that, there was that balance of I left and I just wanted nothing but professional experience. I yeah. wanted to be surrounded by CEOs and CFOs and COOs and, and entrepreneurs and the greatest minds while forgetting what got me to that point. Right. No, that, yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I think I did a little bit of that as well, but it took me a little wo- longer probably than it did you to recognize that I was doing that, you know, because you were just ready. You know, some of the, some of the BS that you see and how it's so hard to make changes in the military because it's so big, right? So there's certain inadequacies that you see and it's frustrating day to day to day. But then it's the same outside you know different Mm. versions of it but there's the same things but the cool thing about when you leave there is you can change what you want to change you know now you have uh and i mean you can in military to whatever level you're at you can change little things but on the outside if you start your own business or if you're working your way up in a business where you can make those inputs you can take the things that you did not appreciate about them the things that did not run well and tweak those things and then that's a you know, in a way that's an education too. So you have that to offer as well of going, Hey, I know how some things get tied down of having to go through uh, division officers, department heads, committee, you know, too much chain of command things. And then it's too far away from the beginning and end user. And, you know, you have that knowledge that can be applied as well. So don't, you know, no one should overlook what they actually bring to the table. Interesting point. And I think there's a common theme amongst, you know, forgetting what people brought to the table and forgetting what you learned and the inability to seek feedback from the people that are going to help you get to that next level. And I think it's, it's ego. Yeah. Yeah. Because one, one part of service that really nobody talks about is we, they teach us a lot of esprit de corps. They teach you a lot of pride and that pride misguided can easily become ego driven. Yes. And, and at that point, and I, I know you've seen it. You, you've seen yeah. all kinds of field grades. You've seen senior enlisted. You've seen junior enlisted. They get so wrapped up in that pride that it turns to ego and they think that they have it all figured out. And yeah. those are the ones that end up being the weakest commanding officers. Those are the ones that end up being the weakest uh, sergeant majors. Those are the ones that end up being the weakest leaders across the board because they think they have the shit figured out. And right. all you would have to do is reach out to their counterpart and be like, hey, Jay, you, you, you saw me on, on, on the X the other day uh, interacting with the team. How do you think I did? 
And you'd be like, dude, you were an asshole and here's why, right? <laughs> right. We want that feedback because we have it all figured out or even more so, Jay, reaching down to the troops, asking, yeah. asking the feedback from our subordinates about how we're doing. Right. God forbid we do that. God forbid we, we, we get feedback outside of our ivory tower, right? Yeah, yeah. Because we might not like what you hear. We're, so we're, we're not going to like it. And if you think you're not going to like it, right. And, and whether you are seeking feedback or not, people are giving feedback about you to somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> the bottom line is being a servant leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being a servant leader. And, and it's that willingness and that ability as a leader to be the one that takes the trash out of if, if needed, which you talked about shit that didn't happen in the military. It's, it's yeah. you know, like those are things that don't happen, but you can be a servant leader in other ways. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's part of as a leader, you're the last one to eat to make sure the guys get the chow. Yeah. You may get, you may get some, you may get none, but that's okay because the guys ate first and they're the ones that are going to be executing on the mission. And right. you know, there's that same application to the, to the civilian um, world as well. You know, are you willing as a boss, like to empty your own trash? Are right. you willing to be the one to go get the mail if there's nobody else to do it? Are you the one, you know, will you jump in on a client engagement that mm -hmm. is beneath you but still is, is impactful for the company. And I mean, there's, there's a practical application to, to the home world as well. Like, are yeah. you, as a husband, are you too good to help your wife with the kids in the morning? Right. Because you're, you're, you're the breadwinner. I have to go to work. It's my job to go make the money. It's your, it's your job to go take care of the kids. You know, if you have that kind of mindset, which again, all too many people and all too many veterans do, you're forgetting the most important things in the world. It's true too. A lot of them have a very good team mindset at work, but then they go home and there's no more team. You know, they're like, that's just your role. That's my role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. Instead of going in the route, I was going to go with the other one. I'll just say with the uh, ego leader, I would just say uh, to parallel that, like for something else I listen to on your podcast, so if people want to get a perspective on the vulnerable, right? The uh -huh. vulnerable versus transparent leader, I would say, please, and I'll let you throw out your little uh, input on that. But I would say, listen to that episode because I really enjoyed that because that's another thing that I feel like we, if you read books and stuff like that, and I see on social media a lot of times and the people that, it's like they follow a program of this entrepreneurial playbook thing of like, okay, you have to be vulnerable. So then you're going to go tell a bunch of babyish little life story stuff that like, all right, cool, man, I get it. You're, you're trying to tell us you're human, but the next month you've got to play the next playbook thing of motivation, the next one, whatever. And it's like, you know, we see it and you're like, whatever, but like, how about a little input on the vulnerable and transparent leader? Because I think some of the differentiations and some of the, uh, how you viewed it and stated it in the podcast was much more realistic and much more impactful than I think the way people interpret that we see on social media all the time in the business world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, I don't like the word vulnerable, right? It's similar to apologizing, right? right. I, I think I said on the podcast, mm -hmm. here, as I make enough mistakes in my personal life to where I reserve those apologies for my significant other. I reserve those apologies for my kids when, when I when I mess stuff up. But that doesn't mean that I, I'm not willing to open up as a leader. And that's where this where comes over into transparency. Mm -hmm. And when whether you are sitting in a boardroom, right, especially in a boardroom when you're working with your counterparts, and you have a, a big project that you're working on that you're stuck, just admitting it, having that transparency. Hey guys, I need help on this, right? I'm, I'm stuck on this project or even over with your subordinate leaders as well is, you know, when, when you're working with that operations team and some of your subordinate operations leaders being like, look guys, what do you think? I kind of boogered up that last one. So how do you guys think that we can make this thing better? Right. right. And getting that feedback from them, building and inviting that collaboration makes the team stronger. It doesn't make you weaker as a leader, but it, it actually, they see that you're a person without you having to reveal some 
stupid ass personal story that they don't care about, right? About how you you love rescuing puppies on the weekends, right? Like they, they just there's there's a time and a place for that, but for the most part, they just want to know that you're human. They want to know that you care, and they want to know that, that that you view them as an asset, as a as a team, rather than rather than overhead, right? There's another side of that, and I think that that's when you're still inside that leadership domain, but you're outside the collaboration when you're interacting with the company. Mm-hmm. And you have to say something, then you say it with one hundred percent confidence. Yeah, right. You yeah. exude conf- you exude yeah. confidence. But and then if you've built that confidence through transparency, through yes. collaboration, and avoided vulnerability, then there's real, genuine, deeply rooted confidence from not from you, but from your people to you. I think that's huge too, because the confidence isn't just in you. Like, hey, I know everything. It's like, hey, I have a team that can back this up. Mm-hmm. You know, we can back yeah. this. This is what otherwise it it's bravado. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, bullshit. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate that input too. And I would add, absolutely recommend anyone going out and listening to Upward Spiral. That was just one of the, you know, a couple of things we talked about today. I also like, what was the one, the would you ever? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah the, the would that you ever. Man, I'll tell you what. And, and that was with with my boss, the CEO of, of Access Eforms, Tim Elliott. And he and I actually would do a podcast together. And we have some of the other, some of the other folks from the company as well. And that's called Access Points Podcast. But we had Tim on, and again, Tim is a boss and a mentor to Cody and I. So we got to flip the roles on him a little bit and, and, and yeah. play some Would You Rather with him. And, and that's a really cool episode. I'd recommend anybody go listen to it. And, and you can find all our stuff on it's uh, upwardspiralgroup.com or find us through the, the the Apple, Spotify, wherever else you can you, you can find podcasts. Give it a listen. Give us some feedback on that too. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I appreciate those because it is, uh, you know, it's honest. I'll say that there's no BS in it, which I, I appreciate. And, but it does give good information, good insight on that stuff. And, and a little bit of comedy too, you know, like, you know, cracking on even like the Marines, you know, but uh, <laughs> each other, you know, as we yeah. always. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cody and I spent a lot of time talking smack to each other. And, and it's like, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, Jay, it's what makes the podcast what it is, is that Cody and I have a real honest relationship and we communicate with each other very, very real and very honestly, you know, Cody works for me. Part of what he does is vice president of marketing for access, but we have an extremely collaborative relationship. Cody's been in this marketplace for a long, long time. And, you know, so it is very much a bi-directional relationship. Right, right. No, that's awesome, man. I I, I hope one day we uh, can cross paths and maybe do one of these in person and we can uh, do it over whiskey and then we'll get really honest. Maybe maybe too honest, but... uh, What you're drinking, what you're thinking, man. (laughs) There you go. No, (laughs) for sure. For sure, man. But thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on and doing this and great information. And please check out the podcast, Upward Spiral. All right, Jay, appreciate your time, man. Thanks for having me on the show. 